Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ready for some fantasy hockey streaming advice, it's time for the most styling, profiling, wheeling and dealing, jet flying, limousine riding podcast in all the land. It's the reigning, defending, undisputed fantasy hockey streaming champion of the world. It's the stream Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Dave Benton, and welcome to the Stream Scheme preseason show. It's where we take a little time to talk about the guys we otherwise wouldn't talk about in a typical Stream Scheme episode. You might remember last year we did a preseason series where we each ranked our top 10 players at each position and then averaged them out. But I decided to scrap that this year just because... You know, for the most part, we kind of all had very similar lists. So I didn't want to do that again this year. And then I put together an Instagram off-season vibes report on every single player in the top 280 P basically just seeing if someone has good vibes or bad vibes. And I realized that if we didn't put out a stream scheme draft show, my own personal vibes going into this hockey season would be low. And we just can't have that. So for this show, we're going to be putting together our quote unquote love and hate list for the 2022 to 2023 fantasy hockey season. Now, of course, this isn't to say that we actually hate certain players. It just means we hate at where they're currently being drafted, otherwise known as their A. DP. So we'll talk more about it, obviously, as we're talking about the players we picked. But first, let's meet my lovely, lovely co-host. If you listened to our preseason series last year or our midseason buy low, sell high Christmas extravaganza, you already know these guys. Up first, it's the man whose opinions are so exclusive, he doesn't even have a Twitter He's got the best hair I've ever seen. You might know him as Ginger Flow. It's Twitterless Mason. How's it going, Mason? You feel ready to draft in our Cupful division? Hey, Dave. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling really great uh, heading into this year. Looking forward to being in the same division as you. And uh, I was kind of burned out at the end of last year, but I'm really looking forward to the start of the new season and to chatting with you guys about some picks today. Couldn't agree more. And up next... We have the captain. Mason might have the best hair on top of his head, but this man has the most magnificent chin waterfall you've ever seen. It's PJ Richards. How you feeling, PJ? Are you ready for this new fantasy season? Hey, Dave. Hey, Mason. Thanks for uh, having me back on, Dave. It's always uh, fun to do this. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's uh, exciting this year. Now, this year, it's you two facing off against each other. Last year, it was Mason and myself. So I get to be the lone wolf and not worry about, uh, you know, you guys stealing all my takes these, this time. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I it, Similar to Mason, I've kind of taken a little bit of a break through the summer somewhat. 
but this past month has really just ramped back up and really getting excited now that I've started making my own lists and, and everything and kind of adjusting where I'm ranking people. So, uh, so yeah, this should be a fun episode. I don't know how many mocks you guys have done, but I think I've done about like maybe 12, 13 of those uh, keeping Carlson slow mock drafts. And they've just been so awesome. I didn't do them last year, that's for sure. And I'm already seeing a huge difference. So we'll get into more of that when we talk about uh, the keeping Carlson uh, ADP that we'll be using for this discussion. That is what we're talking about. The ADP formed in these keeping Carlson uh, mock slow drafts. So thank you to everyone who's participated in that gives us this data that we're used to put together stuff like this. So without further ado, let's get into first the people that we love. We're feeling great about them. We're feeling great, especially about where they're going in drafts. And PJ, when we were starting out this process, uh, Mason says, hey, why don't we uh, toss all, all of our picks in the chat? And you kind of got the raw end of the deal because I gave my list. Mason gave his list. <laughs> and you were like, hey, that was a lot of my guys in there too. I got to pick, come up with more picks. So we'll let you go first here. We'll let you start us off. Give us the first player that you're loving in this year's draft. Yeah, and uh, no worries. I had a, uh, had more as well, but uh, I found the the players I'm loving where they're going was a little bit easier for me this year than some of the players I was hating. It definitely is nice to see a lot of the cuckupful uh, patrons having some pretty savvy sense when it comes to these mock drafts. There's a lot of stuff I can agree with, but one guy that I'm super excited about this year in general and then also seeing where he's going in the mock graphs is uh, Noah Dobson. Um, he's hitting his breakout threshold this year, according to Dauber Hockey. Uh, although there could be argument to be said that he kind of broke out last year, starting to kind of ramp it up. I was fortunate to get him in the cupful off the waiver wire or last year. And uh, I think I picked him up in another league as well, or maybe even free agency, might not have been waiver. Um, and then he kind of really started ramping up. Um, he's a guy that's, you know, on a team that isn't necessarily known for scoring tons and tons of go goals. Um, New York Islanders are, you know, always one that's a little bit more stingy, but at the same time, I have no doubt in my mind that he will be one of the top point producers on that whole team. Um, you know, even with the likes of Barzell and stuff on the team. Um, and right now, you know, when I looked yesterday, he was kind of going in the mock drafts around you know, 78th overall, the patron rankings originally when they did the, the patron rankings earlier in the summer had them at 88. And, um, you know, even Dom has them at 83. And to be honest, I think all of those, you know, marks are a little bit lower than where I would be taking them. I think he's going to take a step forward and be one of those uh, kind of second to third tier defensemen that you're going to be wanting to get. I'm, I'm not putting them in the likes of the Makar um, or the Yossi or even the Headman. Um, but then once I'm kind of looking at my second to third round of, of, of defensemen that I'm looking at, I'm, I'm really like in Dobson there above some of the other guys that are, are going around him for the same position. Yeah, I'm pretty into Dobson this year um, as well. I kind of think that the patrons have done a really good job of drafting him where he should go. Um, I think often in the real drafts, defensemen end up going earlier than they do in the mocks. So he would probably just bump up a little bit based on that. Um, but of course that wouldn't necessarily change his D ranking. Um, he's a tough one to project because like his rookie season, he had 13 minutes a night and then he went to 16 and now to 21 and a half. And so 
it's hard to imagine him getting much more than 21 and a half. Um, but I also, you know, we haven't seen his shooting percentage stabilize either, or like really um, gotten a sense of, yeah, what that's going to end up looking like. Um, I'm low on the Islanders. Like you said, PJ, they're not a high scoring team. So I have some concerns about um, that. I just don't really see a, too much of a ceiling for him. Um, but he is a very solid, consistent guy, and um, I would be happy to take him around uh, where the patrons are in the mocks. Yeah, I agree with you, PJ. This is a fantastic pick. I really like Noah Dobson here. Uh, as you mentioned, 78 in ADP, which right now puts him in the back end in the sixth round of a 14-team league, such as the Kikupful, which I think he's one of two defenders that is in that last tier of guys and we're going to talk about uh one of the other guys i believe but he's in that last tier of defenders that if you just completely punted on defense and like you really want to get a number one who's going to be like a solid power play guy who can get you perifs and can get you 50 points uh then i think he's a great pick here in the late sixth round i'd even take him in the fifth really if there was a run on defenders and you saw that like hey now or never if you're on the swing and you know that the three other teams that are going to be in that swing all need defense, go ahead and grab them before them. I absolutely love Noah Dobson. The vibes are good. His Instagram check. He just had some golf picks and a, uh, you know, a post saying, thanks for the new deal. Thanks for giving me money. Now we're going to Mason. Let's hear player that you love this year. So the first player that I love, I'm going to rearrange my order here just to go with a guy that hopefully we can compare to Dobson because he is going two picks after Dobson uh, around 79 or 80. And that's Miro Haskinen. Again, I think this is who PJ was mentioning as, uh, or Dave was mentioning as uh, like the last guy (laughs) you might want from this tier of um, power play one defenseman with upside. And uh, I just look at Haskinen here. He's sandwiched between Dobson and uh, Devin Taves. You know, at the end of the sixth, start of the seventh, in terms of his uh, ADP. And um, I'd just be really happy to get Miro Haskin in here. I think you're kind of drafting him at his floor, um, considering he's going to be getting a ton of minutes uh, and is on a really good Stars power play. Um, The new coach in Dallas has talked about you know, uh, working with that unit and trying to improve the power play over what it's been in the past. And um, yeah, I just think that uh, drafting him there, he's going to get solid peripherals. He'll get a ton of time on ice and um, he has points upside uh, to really jump ahead of this. Of course, he could finish a little bit lower, but um, I have confidence in him as a player and in that star's top power play. Yeah, you're correct. And that was the other defender that I was talking about in regard to that final tier. And yeah, I think Heiskanen uh, is a really good play here. Uh, the vibes on him are good. I believe that he only posted one thing, but I believe it was him winning the IIHF World Championship, if I am saying that right. So that's a pretty good omen. I think he's going to be a great draft pick, like we talked about, especially where he's going. How about, what do you think, Peach? Yeah, Haskinen was definitely one of the guys that uh, you guys dropped in the chat a little bit before I was able to, because I'm also pretty high on him. I think he's very similar, like Mason said, to that Dobson kind of pick where, and he's probably right right now in the mock drafts, the D might be going slightly later than what they actually will. There, there always ends up being a run on D in, in some sort of format in like the fourth or the fifth round I find. Um, But he's also another guy 
I think, uh, I forget who you mentioned it was right after him, but whoever it was, I like both Dobson and Heiskanen much better than that. So if those are the three guys that he's like kind of sitting around, I think there's definitely higher value in, in those two. Um, yeah, they both, I kind of project both of them for being around that like, you know, 50 to 55 point defenseman, both running a top power play. Um, both teams have some question marks to them, but, you know, I like a lot of what's up front on the stars. Um, so there are some some benefits there. I think the reason why one of the things that just leans me maybe slight edge to Dobson between the two, although I honestly think it's kind of a coin flip for me, um, would just be the kind of proven perips that Dobson has with, you know, getting 200 plus shots, 130 to 40 blocks, and then maybe just under 100 hits. Um, that's just like where I'd kind of give a little bit of an edge to Dobson where, you know, Heiskin is probably going to be just under a hundred blocks, 50 hits and, you know, probably shy of 200 shots. So that's the only real difference I see between those two guys, but really high on both of them. And, and like you said, Dave, I'd be happy to take either of those guys kind of in a, a fifth round spot. If I had maybe punted D on the first few rounds and, and was looking for somebody that could give me, you know, solid uh, value at that point. Yeah. I and mean, we might talk about this a little bit more later on, but I'm, I'm just a big fan of the Dallas stars right now. I think they're getting a little bit slept on by uh, some of the drafters so far. So we shall see up next. I've got my top pick on who I love and this might be a little predictable. You might've heard me talk about this guy before he happens to be the best hockey player in the world. Now he's not necessarily the best fantasy hockey player in the world, but he is absolutely getting disrespected in ADP right now. His name is Sidney Crosby, and he plays for your Pittsburgh Penguins. And right now, he's going at ADP about 26, which is absolutely ridiculous. You can only come to me and give me two explanations as to why Sidney Crosby is going that late in the drafts right now. One is because of his age. It's going into his age 35 season. The other is that he's considered like an injury risk, which is absolutely not true. The only reason he missed a few games last year was because management was dumb. They thought his wrist could maybe heal without surgery. They waited too long, turned out and needed surgery. He missed some games at the start of the season. Other than that, he hasn't played less than pretty much every game since 2012, 2013. And the next season that Sidney Crosby scores less than a point per game will be the very first time it ever happens in his NHL career. That's right. He's always had a point per game. That's his stinking floor. How is he going so late in the second? I don't know. What do you think, PJ? Yeah, he's one that it's a little bit surprising, and I think it might just be some bias from last season. Uh, yeah, he's getting a little bit older in age, but like you said, he's still putting up points. Uh, I had him in the, the butt full, so not the kick up full, but uh, you know, in another league, and he was one of my stars coming through the stretch. I, I drafted him even with the injury risk to start it, and you know, he ended up being one of those top players on my team going down the stretch, and it was like getting an extra you know, what I would consider late first, early second round draft pick. And so I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think he's maybe going a little bit later and some people are sleeping on him, but I think that kind of happens with this as some of those older players get up there. 
Um, you know, people get excited about the younger guys coming up into the league, starting to pop off, have good seasons. But I don't think there's anything wrong with going with an old reliable guy that uh, that just has constantly put up point per game or higher numbers over the years. He's he's pretty much a lock for getting you that kind of points. I agree. Um, yeah, he's going like end of the second in mocks, and I only really have him like half a round higher than he's going. But that's a, quite a big difference at the start of the draft. Um, and yeah, I just don't really see why um, he should be going behind guys like uh, JT Miller and Jack Eichel. Like I have Crosby projected for like 95 points. And, um, you know, even if he falls a bit short of that, like that's kind of the ceiling we're hoping for from Eichel or Miller. And you're pretty much have a guarantee with it um, with Crosby. Uh, yeah. He's just so safe. I, in the first two rounds, like you just, you want that guarantee you get it with Crosby. Um, and yeah, I'd be pretty happy to draft him in second. As many have said in the past, you don't win seasons by your first two rounds, but you can lose seasons by your first two rounds. So go with that sure thing. Look at those points that are just that, kind of guaranteed. That's what Mason always is saying. That's what he's always telling us. All right, PJ, let's like, uh, uh Ducky Hamilton or Jeff Petrie, you know, you got to get those sure things, those floors <laughs> with the peripherals. They're going to be so good. All right, Peach, let's see your, uh, your second player that you're just loving this year. Yeah. So another guy that I'm pretty high on this year, uh, especially with where he's going in the drafts currently is Boone Jenner, who I think is going to possibly take that first line center job and be playing with the likes of a Patrick line or Johnny Goudreau. Even if he ends up moving down a bit, um, you know, he's he's got some other guys to start playing with. And last year, he had one of his highest points per game for the second half of the season after having, you know, a slower start or injury, if I remember correctly. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, but he was a guy, again, that I picked up later in the season last year, and he just kind of started going with it. Um, and you're really going to start seeing a guy like that kind of pop off. Currently, he's going around like 145, which is definitely starting to be a little bit later in the draft. Um, but what I think is that he just has a bit more value than that. I could see him. I'm not saying he's going to be one of your guys that you're drafting in your you know, seventh round, sixth round, that sort of thing. But for you know, a centerman later in the draft who has very high potential to be top line center, top power play, um, playing with the likes of Johnny Goudreau, Patrick Laine, who you know I both have questions about as well. Um, but I just think the value there over top of some of the other guys that, you know, are going around him like a Sean Couturier or, a, you know, who else we've got Vincent Trocek. I'm definitely taking Boone Jenner over some of those other sentiment that are, you know, even higher than him in the draft. And I'd be pretty happy getting him at that point. Yeah, Jenner is a guy that I actually mentioned in my uh, love list <laughs> before PJ had uh, posted his and I ended up uh, deferring that one to PJ to bring him up. But um, I'm really into Jenner. I understand that, uh, you know, the line dependency is uh, always a bit of a concern. I don't agree with PJ that if he falls down the lineup a bit, that he still might be valuable. I think it's basically first line or bust. Um, but I still think he's the incumbent. Um, their rookie centers are still very young, and it would be surprising to see them take over a top line center, top power play job. Um, in their first season. And um, at this point in the draft, I mean, I said earlier, 
uh, you want the safe thing, you want the sure thing in the first few rounds, you can lose your draft there. Well, in the late rounds is where you um, you draft for upside and you try and get a guy that could finish 50 spots ahead of where he's going in the mocks. And um, Jenner fits that bill for me. If he's top line, top power play, I think he'll end up way higher um, than he's going in the 11th round. If not, you know, if you wasted an 11th round pick, make it a streaming spot, listen to the stream scheme and you'll find the next guy. I'll be the uh, lone differing opinion on this one. I got some bad news for you fellas, because in the off season Instagram vibes check, Boone Jenner has a private account and that is just unacceptable. You're a professional hockey player in the national hockey league. You're a public figure can't have a private account and so just no chance that he sticks on that top line and i'll tell you what columbus is going to find out this season this soundbite might haunt me but columbus is going to find out this season that you can't just you know try and hodgepodge these superstars in there and expect that they're going to work with anyone you know take it from me Penguins fan, you know, they always are trying to sign players, trade for players, draft players that can play with Crosby and Malkin. And then some player that you think will be a perfect fit, you know, Crosby's favorite line mates were Garen and freaking like Chris Kunitz. Like you can't predict these things, who's going to mesh well and things like that. And I just think that at the very, very least, even if, if they end up having good seasons, they're in for a rough opening. And I think those lines are going to be moving and I think they're going to be shaken. And at that spot in the draft in the 11th round, there's a lot of other players that I'd much rather take a chance on. Boone Jenner is a little bit more of a lottery ticket. Maybe if he was down more towards the 200s that I'd be willing to take a chance on at that point, but around 150, 145, no, thank you. The last point I just want to uh, bring on to this one, Dave, is just uh, I can understand where you're coming from, and I'm not going to fully disagree. But um, like Mason said, where he's going, I think it is taking a pick that you are counting on some upside there. And even if he performs to where he's going in the draft, I don't think that's actually that bad. Um, so I'd be drafting him more for just that potential upside at that point. Um, but then also, you know, Dauber does have them posted as one of their sleeper picks, actually their top sleeper pick for Columbus this year. Um, and then the other thing I just didn't bring up before that I do like about Boone Jenner is he does have some decent perifs as well for, you know, hundred hit kind of guy. Um, you know, he actually puts up a fair amount of blocks for even a forward. He's putting up, you know, in the sixties, that kind of stuff for blocks, which, you know, lots of those forwards, top line centermen are, you know, going to only get you that 20 to 30 block. So, you know, you're just getting a few more, not that it's like a huge make or break, um, but that is just one thing I do like. He does kind of have that floor because of his perifs. And if he plays that top line centerman, uh, top power play and plays with, you know, some of these new players coming in, well, new player, and then hopefully uh, rejuvenated Patrick Line and stuff like that, there's just a lot of uh, potential that could happen on that top line now mason let's hear someone who uh you're liking or maybe even loving this year yeah my second player i love this year is thatcher demko a little bit of a hometown pick for the canucks but maybe you'll see later that i'm not just uh high on all the canucks um i famously predicted last year that uh, demko would be a top five goalie um i think he was even left off uh some other hosts 
top 10 list. And he didn't quite finish top five, but he came in seventh um, overall. And uh, those top goalies were so close. I was looking back and um, he was within 10 fantasy points of um, all the goalies that finished ahead of him, except for sorrow. So to put that in perspective, if he had one more win, 15 more saves and two fewer goals against, he would have been a, a top two goalie. Um, Brian mentioned on Smart Goalies board this year that uh, his shorthanded save percentage was absolutely horrible, uh, which is not usually repeatable. And uh, the Canucks were worst in the league on the penalty kill under their uh, old coach. So um, that changed under Bruce Boudreau and whether that's just motivation or a new system, uh, they won a lot more games uh, in the back half of the year and their penalty kill improved a lot. Um, going at the end of his tier uh, in the uh, mock drafts, so the guys going just ahead of him are uh, Hellebuck and Markstrom. And um, I, like, I'm not saying you should boost Demko way up your board and put him ahead of um, any of the top couple goalies, but I think he should be going at the start of that tier. Um, and I'd be quite happy to get him uh, where he's going in ADP, which looks like uh, in the middle or end end of the fifth round. Yeah, uh, I'll just add a quick vibe check because uh, I went to Demko's Instagram. Um, <laughs> he got married this summer. Uh, he's yeah, just looking great. Has a great looking dog, um, and he wore a tan suit jacket at his wedding, which just oozes confidence. I think he's completely <laughs> ready to go have a great season, and I think the Canucks under Boudreaux for the whole year, we'll win some more games. I love it, Mason. You left out one important detail about said marriage and marriage post. You know who commented on that post. I had no idea. Michael Buble. What are... What what are the odds? Michael Buble uh, and Demko. Apparently, at least Instagram pals. Maybe even real life. That would be... You'd think uh, if you were a true friends, you could maybe get a Buble to sing at your wedding, but... That might be that might, that might be asking too much. He probably reserves that for just family and whatnot. All right. But yeah, I love Demko. Yeah, right where he's going, end of the fifth, top of the sixth round in a 14-team league. I think that's where you have to know to commit if you do want to draft one of the true workhorse goalies. You're going to have to get it in one of the first five rounds. Do not wait until round number six to get a goalie. And yeah, I think... I think he's, I don't think it's that great value. I think it's probably more proper rated in my mind than really great value. But PJ, what do you think? Demko is uh, definitely one of the guys on my list as well that I thought was maybe just slightly going a little later in drafts than where I would. And, and I've been notorious to say that I'm a guy who fades goalies for sure. Um, but like Mason brought up many things there, Demko's one of those goalies that you're just kind of guaranteed he's he's a workhorse he's gonna get the majority of the games he actually kind of reminds me of the other two goalies that you brought up being Connor Hellebuck and Markstrom as three goalies that don't really have that backup competition so they're they're really going to be that workhorse goalie so all three of those guys I'm with you they're kind of lumped in together in my mind but I, I do like Demko possibly better than Hellebuck now. It's tough to say. Hellebuck, you know, he's only a few years removed from being one of the, you know, top, top goalies in the league. Um, so I would just say that, as we've said many times, goalies are a little bit harder to predict. But if you're going to be, you know, drafting a goalie in, say, the, the fourth round to early fifth round, 
he's one of the guys I'd definitely be targeting slightly higher than maybe even where he's going. Um, and that's just to say some of the other players maybe don't have as much value of a replacement as taking a goalie at that point. And that's coming from a guy who usually fades goalies even farther. So um, if he's still kicking around and I'm kind of at that end of fourth, early fifth, that's somebody I'd be considering at that point. Um, also, depending on what other goalies have gone, has has there been a bit of a run already or anything like that? To add just a, a little bit to that goalie talk, um, I was looking through the mock ADP and uh, we've got a column here, which is last five mock ADP. So this is how players are being valued most recently. You know, it's closer to the start of the season. Maybe people are trying to draft more realistically. And um, all of these top goalies, uh, pretty much every goalie in the top 100 is going like a full round earlier than um, their ADP. So they're creeping up there. Um, you know, if Demko is now going in the fourth round, which is what these last few mocks were, that's probably too high for me because like TJ, I, you know, I want to let things, <laughs> uh, yeah, let a lot of the goalies get drafted, pick up value, and then um, try to get some goalies later. But uh, yeah, that's just something to keep in mind is uh, goalies have been creeping higher and higher and uh there would be a point here where, where I'd be out on all of these goalies actually um, in this tier. Once again, shout out to uh, Kevin A. Bear, I believe, who was put together this Kakupful 2022 uh, mock ADP. Just a fantastic resource as we'll be referencing it throughout the show. So the next guy that I'm going to bring up that I love is a guy that I want to hear Mason go last and I want to hear PJ in between because you're going to have to settle this. The guy that I love this year is Brent Burns. Obviously, I can hear the knock on Brent Burns. Oh, it's a new team. You don't know what he's going to do. Or, oh, he's getting older. You know, he can't, the style of play that he does, you can't do it anymore. And I'm here to tell you that's all hogwash because we're going to go to the Brent Burns Instagram and he definitely passes the vibe check. He's got lots of like hunting and like active photos. You know what they say? Like my good pal Mason always says, if you're always ready, you don't have to get ready. And that's what Brent Burns is. He's just always ready to throw down. I mean, his style, his personality down there in Carolina in the in the South, he's a, he just feels like a Southern kind of guy. I think he's going to be a perfect fit. I'm not scared of Slavin. Slavin's not going to be any kind of threat on the power play. They play him too much as it is. He needs a rest anyways. So I'm all in on Burns. PJ, what say you? Well, look at his beard. Obviously, I'm on board. That's with what Burns. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I actually think I'm kind of split in between the two of you on this one. I do actually think Burns, where the patrons are taking him, has really good value at where he's at. Um, Dom actually has him even higher in his rankings when you put in the couple scoring. I uh, looked at a few other things. You bring up Slavin. I actually think Burns being added to the team boosts Slavin a bit. I think Slavin's going to have a better um, year this year. You know, he's definitely more of that kind of assist kind of guy. And Burns likes to shoot the puck. So there's a chance even Slavin will get a few more points um, playing with a guy like that who just likes to control it from back there, uh, especially if they end up being paired at even strength. That's kind of what I'm I'm meaning. Um, but yeah, I would say Burns is kind of going where I'd place him. I don't know how much higher I'd move him up. Um, you know, he's going right now, sitting around like kind of 55, the last few he's been going at 50th overall. Um, some of the D ahead of him, 
would be Dougie Hamilton, Morgan Riley, uh, Chris Letang, Cider. And then a few right after him are Hughes, Wierenski, Shabbat. And to me, that's just kind of where I place him. I kind of think that's where he's sitting. Hamilton's uh, just above him, a couple spots. I think I'd maybe go Hamilton over him. But to be honest, I, I you guys know I wasn't as high on Hamilton as everyone else was last year. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I could see Burns outperforming Hamilton this year or vice versa. They're kind of a coin flip for me. Um, but I do like him a bit over Wierenski, even though I'm a huge Wierenski fan. I like him over Hughes, which he is above those two guys right now. Um, so I'm kind of happy with where he is. Yeah, and I'm much less into Burns uh, than Dave. And I think, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Elon as well. I know he's talked him up on the podcast. And um, yeah, I just, I have concerns. Like <laughs> Like Dave said, his age, he's turning 38 this year. He's on a new team, which... Dave, earlier this show, said we should not expect those players to click right away. Um, I don't think he's as good offensively at this point in his career as uh, Tony D'Angelo, which is a little unfortunate because I really like Burns. But um, I don't think he's going to put up the same points that D'Angelo did there. And um, I don't know, like we were talking about uh, Noah Dobson earlier. And uh, to pick Brent Burns, you have to you have to take him two full rounds ahead of Noah Dobson, who is also a power play one quarterback and also puts up very good peripherals. Um, I'm just not willing to pay that draft cost. Uh, there may be upside for Burns for more points. You know, I only have him projected for like 57. Um, I don't know. I just I can't see him doing that much more at this point and being drafted as the 11th highest defenseman is just too high for me good thing because we're in the same division and yeah not only do i like brent burns but we're talking about the players going ahead of him in uh, mock drafts dougie hamilton i'm the one who famously put dougie hamilton like 14th last year and you guys laughed in my face definitely like burns more than hamilton i like burns more more than most cider but i do like most cider though don't get me wrong uh we'll talk about a couple of the other guys i wouldn't put him over like ekblad but versus john carlson i don't know when we talk about players getting a little older i think more john carlson more than i do brent burns like i said brent burns looks ready to go could see him playing into his 40s obviously at that point maybe he won't be as great but anywho let's move in to our third players that we love this year and definitely will make our top 10 players uh, overall that we love pj who are you going with this year so i've uh, i've kind of tried to break this up a little bit to give some different value from different parts in the draft so you know i went with dobson kind of that you know mid draft going with Jenner a little bit later in the draft seeing some value there and now I'm going with somebody near the top of the draft that I actually think is going slightly lower than what he potentially could be Um, he was mentioned and he's kind of in that same boat as me with Crosby but not in the same way because he hasn't been as consistent and hasn't been as established but that's Jack Eichel and I think he's going a little bit later for what I would say right now, I'm seeing him drafted in like third round, stuff like that. And I do think he has some value to still be in the second round. He didn't do great last year, but we also have to remember how much time he had off, how long he wasn't playing. He wasn't on the ice. Even when he did start getting back up and running after the the surgery on his back, 
Um, you know, he didn't have as much of a recovery time as probably would have been ideal to get him back on the ice. Um, so I'm just hoping a little bit that he's had a good, strong offseason. Maybe, maybe Dave, when it comes to you, you can tell me how those vibes are on the old Instagram. Um, but he's a guy that, uh, you know, notoriously used to go as a first round pick before he had the back injury. Um, he was kind of going in that mid first round for a while. Um, he's only a couple of years removed from that and putting up the the numbers. So, you know, maybe I'm reaching a little bit. It's hard to to value on somebody who's been injured and hasn't been able to come back and prove it yet. Um, but I just see from where he's going right now in the draft, I'd be pretty happy with where he's landing in the third. In my last mock draft, I got him, I was the 10th spot and I got him as my third pick. Um, and I had him projected to go a bit higher than that. So that's kind of where I'm basing it off of. Uh, for a guy higher in the draft. Yeah, I like Eichel. I don't love Eichel just because, like you said, there is that baked-in risk um, in the third round. I mean, in the third round, I'm I'm happy to take him. If you're picking, like, late second, though, I'd be a little worried with him being my second-round pick, especially because uh, at that point, uh, due to the third-round reversal this year, you're not picking until the end of the third. So if Eichel doesn't work out, you only have the one – um good player before the end of the third round um yeah i think if he plays like with mark stone and uh maybe jonathan marchiso uh that would be an absolutely fantastic line and i could see him putting up the you know 90 points that we're hoping for with a ton of shots and providing um crazy Don't value say that way. mark stone <laughs> <laughs> if mark Stone gets injured or sorry, doesn't come back from his injury or isn't the same player um, post this injury. Like you could be looking at Jack Eichel, Riley Smith and Chandler Stevenson, which is okay. Or you could be looking at, you know, if they want to keep the misfit line together, uh, you might be looking at Phil Kessel, Jack Eichel and Nicholas Waugh or Nolan Patrick and, you know, that would be a huge concern. That would put him in the same spot he's been in in Buffalo all these years and, um, you know, hasn't been able to put up 90 points. So um, that's what I'm thinking. It's He's a really tough pick because he does have that great upside, but um, he could also just have bad line mates and have a rough season. Yeah, we don't talk about Mark Stone. I thought we agreed we wouldn't talk about Mark Stone. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, Jack Eichel, here's the thing. PJ, from a strictly hockey perspective, I would agree with you, I would say. The problem is that on Instagram, Jack Eichel has no Instagram post since he said his goodbye to Buffalo. However, he is still updating his stories. What that means is that Jack Eichel is still upset and personally that since he's gone from Buffalo to Vegas, that he hasn't performed like he would like. It's not up to Jack Eichel's standards. He's waiting until he's starting to play a little bit better before he can start posting again is the kind of vibes that I'm getting from Jack Eichel. And I don't know if that's messing with his psyche. I could see Jack Eichel scoring like 65 70 points this season and for where he's going right now at the end of the second yeah that's a big risk i i could easily see him being a point per game guy too but i think in the second round let alone early third you're still looking for upside maybe for a little bit more and at the center position i think his upside is just limited the one thing i'd like to just add uh based off of what mason was saying and i understand lines and whatever but I do believe that Eichel is a guy that can run a line and be the play, like the power on that line. 
So I'm a little less worried about his line mates than say like, you know, obviously this is a pretty easy one, but like Boone Jenner, where we were talking about how he's pretty line dependent. I don't know that Eichel is as line dependent to me. Um, I'm just hoping, like I said, it might be, uh, I just, I could see him outperforming where he's going in the draft, but like you both said, he could end up performing right where he is going and he could even underperform. I guess the one thing I would say is at this point in the third round, if I'm looking at Eichel still sitting there, I'm pretty happy taking him because he probably has upside of being in the value of say a mid first round pick. And then the worst I would see him going is being like a, you know, late third to fourth round pick. So I don't, I don't see too much risk to him as well. Um, again, maybe that's just me, but uh, I just see a little bit upside there potentially for where he's going. So I would be considering him um, a little bit higher than where he's going right now in the patron rankings. Cool, cool. Take it away, Mason. Let's hear your third guy that you love this year. My third and final love this year is Moritz Sider. And I did not think I would be saying this at the start of the summer, just like looking back at the season, it was like, oh, Sider's had a great year. Um, but the more I've looked into the numbers, I just think he, uh, provides so much value. He provides such consistent points because his peripherals are off the charts. Like he will give you more peripherals than Chris Letang, Dougie Hamilton, Brent Burns. And these are all the guys that are going around him, uh, in the mocks. And, uh, you know, he was a rookie last year. I think he has room to improve. I think Detroit has gotten better. They've added a number of depth pieces. They're not just going to roll their first line out there, score some on the power play and then get caved in, um, when their third and second lines are out there. Um, so I just think he has a really solid floor with peripherals and he has a lot of upside um, with points as well. I don't even have him projected that high with points. Um, and I still think he's uh, closer to the tier of, um, you know, Latang, Carlson, Ekblad, who are going ahead of him in the mocks uh, than he is to the Morgan Riley, Brent Burns, Quinn Hughes of the world um, who are the ones going after him. So um, I think at his ADP, like he finished, uh, I believe it was ninth overall for defenseman last year. Um, and he's being drafted at eight this year. And um, I just think if he or the Red Wings take a step forward, um, that he can move up that list. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think he's more just properly rated rather than uh, overrated or underrated where he's going right now. The good news is he's had an excellent off season. He went to Paris. Apparently he had a sweet island vacation he went to the nhl awards all good vibes there i just think you never you never know what could happen with young guys in their second season they might hit a sophomore slump that's pretty high for a defender that you're not at least me i'm not 100 percent sure about we still don't know what's going to happen with detroit with all their new players hopefully they find something that works on their power play but you never know, are they going to go 50-50 type thing? Like just keep the top two lines together and then split the D that way. That would hurt Cider as well. I'm not sure. But that said, I still think he's really good. I still like him. I just don't love him. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Cider, but I have to somewhat agree with Dave that I think he might be being valued somewhat appropriately. I could see him going a little bit higher than he is in general, but I don't know how much more I put him above the other D that have gone. That's if that makes sense. I, I think he's kind of tiered in that right spot. 
Uh, I agree with you, Mason. I could see him even going above Latang, whatever, that sort of thing. But where he's going in the draft, I could see him going a few more picks if you're looking for that top defender. Um, I don't know that he has really any true competition for that back end. Um, so he's pretty solidified as that top power play D. Um, and with a couple guys like Verona, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond playing on a line with them um, for a power play unit, I like that unit. But like Dave said, if it ends up being split up a bit more, uh, I like it a little bit less. Um, but he is a guy that I'm super excited for in dynasty leagues, keeper leagues, that sort of stuff. He's definitely way up there on, on my rankings. Um, and even in these redraft leagues, I, I think he's being drafted somewhat appropriately, um, maybe slightly. I would take him slightly earlier than what his average draft position is right now. How how do you guys take a comparison of uh, him being the Brady Kachuk of defense on a bad team, crazy peripherals? Super young. Uh, I just see a lot of similarities between the two. Uh, I don't know. I think it's still yet to be seen what's going to happen to this Detroit team this year. So I don't want to make any comparisons like that quite yet. I, I don't mind the comparison, Mason. I can see the relation that you're going with. I do love his peripherals. That's a, a great one that he's got going for him. Um, and then, yeah, if he can start scoring more, it, it's similar to kind of what I see in Brady. I keep thinking like this is the year that Brady's going to start you know, putting some more points up to beef up his fantasy value on top of all his perifs. Um, So we'll see what goes and and I can see kind of where you're coming at with that uh, comparison. All right. And for my uh, third guy that I'm loving this year, I got to go down there to Dallas. We're going with Rope Hints. Hopefully I pronounced that okay for everyone. Hints right now is going uh, 69 ADP, a very nice place to take him in the draft. That puts them right at the very end of the fifth round in a 14-team league, or maybe right at the start of the sixth round, right in that range. And you're going to see a lot of centers that are falling into that range that have great value. And I love Hint here. He's a lock for that top line, top power play in Dallas. We already know who it is. Robertson is going two rounds higher for the same reason. Why? Just because he's a different position. Hints is a center. Robertson's a left wing, but really when you look at their numbers, hence last year, 72 points in 80 games, the year before he was a point per game player, 43 points in 41 games. What I'm saying is that he's got a really high floor for someone who's going this late in the draft. And that's what I like to do every round is try and get the highest floor possible. And then hopefully some of those players will hit their ceilings as well, scattered in between. PJ, how do you feel about Hints? How do you feel about Dallas? I'm with you on Hints 100%. I think Rupe Hints might be sneakily becoming one of the more uh, underrated players right now in the league. He's sneaky good, even from his like advanced analytics and what he does away from the puck as well. He's just a really good all-around hockey player. Really enjoy watching him. And like you said, he's playing with Robertson, who I also am a big fan of. Um, and you know, he was a guy that you mentioned that I think is a good comparable. They play different position. I do value the left wing a little bit more because it's a little harder to find those wingers than the centermen. Um, we've talked about that in the past, uh, drafting by position versus you know overall talent. But like you said, I think Robertson probably still has the higher ceiling for points but I really like what Rupe Hints brings. He's going to be that top line center. He's going to play top power play. You know, the the days of the Jamie Ben on the top line are gone. He's just not quite there anymore. He's lost a bit of a step, 
Um, and we're starting to see these new younger guys coming up. Uh, with that being said, I could very much see Pavelski, who is not a young guy, being the uh, the other winger that he's playing with. Um, but there's lots of other guys. We could potentially see Gurianov moving up and down the lineup. Um, you know, Sagan, if they want to break up that, you know, Ben Sagan line again. Um, so it'd be interesting to see who really is going to be playing on his right-hand side. But if he's locked with Jason Robertson, I've loved the chemistry that they've had so far. I hope they build on it. And I think Rupe Hintz is going to be a, a great pick. And I would be picking him a bit higher than where he's been going Um by the patron rankings right now. I have hints ranked pretty much uh, where he is going in, in the mocks. I'd be very happy to draft him there. Um, so I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that. He's not someone that I'm, I'm avoiding by any means. Um, and I do really like Robertson. So I think uh, hints and Robertson being together, they're going to put up a lot of points this year. For me, the Robertson comparison is more that I can see Robertson hitting 45, 50 in a season uh, in terms of goals. Um, whereas hints is more of the 35 goals, 30, 35 and um, some more assists. But one of the weird things in Dallas is just that all their forwards seem to be goal first kind of guys like Jason Robertson, goal scorer, Rupe Hintz, um, a lot of goals, Joe Pavelski, goal scorer, Tyler Sagan, goal scorer. Like, I don't really see a lot of guys that are distributors. I think that's why I'm high on Haskinen is these guys all know how to put the puck in the net. And um, if he can uh, feed them, you know, he'll be picking up a lot of, a lot of points on those. But um, I think that's why I have Robertson ahead that said, like between all those guys, uh, goals from year to year can kind of move around, I think, between between a line, depending on who ends up finally putting the puck into the net after pressure. And um, if Rupe Hintz comes away with a greater share of goals than he did last year, then uh, he'd definitely be a value at this spot. I think I'm the one who's correct here. Rope. Rope hints, but yeah, one of the main things that I talked about, if you guys, the loyal stream schemers remember in one of the last episodes of my last season, I put together a uh, lessons learned of the season. And one of the biggest ones that I wrote down was don't worry about drafting positions, draft the players who are going to score the most points in a points league. And so that's why, especially this year, I'm definitely going probably a little bit more aggressive on center. I don't want to necessarily hesitate just because, oh, I can get centers later. I can get centers later. That's always kind of the uh, the common adage Mason is always telling us. But I think that really at the points league, and that's also why I'm a little bit lower on defense, I think, than I normally would be just because how many defenders are, yeah, there's, if you're really into VORP, I get that, but how many defenders are really going to come close to 70 points, whereas how many forwards can confidently get you that as their floor is i think is what you need to be looking at in the top six rounds but uh all right sounds good let's go ahead and uh flip through real quick we're each going to give at least one honorable mention and then uh, as we go we'll kind of if you want to comment on it go ahead but then go ahead and give like your honorable mention of one more guy that we love pj start us off yeah this one is going to be a little controversial i can tell right away but uh the one that i'm kind of interested in but again I also second guess myself on it a little bit but it keeps popping up is uh, Kreider and the reason I say Kreider is because I definitely see huge regression from what he was last year he finished in like the top 10 I'm pretty sure last year um, but what I do really like is the main thing that changed with Kreider is he started shooting the puck a lot more he didn't really have that volume shooting in seasons past so as much as I do see that shooting percentage was pretty high, around 20%, um, but his 
you know, career average is still in the high teens. So it's not like it's completely outrageous for who he is. Um, and the only reason I really say that I do like where he's going right now is he has the potential to still put up 40 plus goals this next year. And those are hard to come by. You know, we don't have every player scoring 40 plus goals and I just see the potential that he could. Um, but then that's where I'm kind of questioning whether I truly believe that he should go much higher than, you know, where he has been going in the patron rankings. He's mostly been going around, you know, 61st. Um, and I don't know that I would move him a ton up, but I do think that there are some other players around him that I would maybe take him ahead. So I don't know that it's like jumping a whole round or anything like that for me. Um, but he's a guy that I'd be pretty happy drafting at that spot, I think, still even taking regression into consideration. I just think dropping from in the top 10 to 60th, it kind of makes sense based on, you know, shooting percentage, that sort of thing. But I still see him kind of in those like 50 around that sort of range for where I would maybe consider start start to consider taking him. My honorable mention is Ryan Hartman. And, um, you know, earlier in the mocks, he was going uh, about 140th. Actually, I believe that's his ADP. It's like 140. So that's, started the 11th round um give or take a few picks and i i do like him but i wouldn't take him there like that does seem too early for me however in the last um number of mocks he's dropped like 30 spots and now he's going at like the start of the 13th round and um you know around pick 170 in the last number of mocks and um i would be so happy to get him at about 170, he's shown us upside for finishing in top, inside the top 100 skaters last year. And, um, you know, there's a chance that Rossi or even Joel Eriksson Ek takes over uh, that top line in Minnesota. However, um, you know, Hartman played, played pretty much uh, the full season there last year. Once he got put on that line, he never got bumped off. And um, so I think somebody would have to come out and impress and uh, really show that they deserve to be there beyond him and I'm not going to put you know that on the shoulders of Rossi in his first year after this um, you know he had all those health complications and everything and um, it's amazing that he's back and I think it's great that he's going to be on Minnesota hopefully he has a great career but I find it hard to see him uh, bumping Hartman off of that line this year so you know even if I'm only 55% confident that Hartman's going to stay there um, getting him at 170 with you know, upside of being inside the top 100. Those are the kind of shots, again, that I want to take uh, in those late rounds. Real quick on Hartman, the good news, got engaged. I think that's good news. We'll have to eventually see the data after this season. But believe it or not, though, that makes him far and away the vibes leader in Minnesota overall. Not great vibes going on in Minnesota. I feel like I'm reading astronomy or something like right now. But uh, it's hard to look past. I think this past season was the only time he had more than 31 points in a season. So I wouldn't mind taking Hartman there, but I'd probably take him a round or two later. Uh, PJ, real quick, thoughts on Hartman? No, not really. I see Hartman kind of valued where he is, but I, I don't know. I don't have much to Prop say on him. Properly rated? Yeah. All right. And my honorable mention, let me go to him here. 
here real quick. It's a uh, gorgeous Georgie, Alexander Georgiev. He's going right now 137 in mock drafts. That puts him at the end of the 10th round in a 14-teamer. I think that is tremendous value. And he has the best way to get you in good vibes for the season. He has a training post. I don't know why more athletes don't do this. Just let us know. You're hard at work. You're ready for the season. And gorgeous Georgie has done just that. Now, I don't think it's going to be easy for him necessarily to take full command of the number one spot in Colorado, but certainly a great start. He also has posts about like finally exploring New York as he's leaving town. And I totally get that. New York is a great place to visit, but it stinks to live there. I expect this change in scenery to do him great. I think it's huge upside with minimal downside. Uh, what do you guys think about Georgiev real quick? Yeah, he was a guy that I also had on my list. Um, I think we had put into the chat just before hopping on here. And I kind of agree with what you were saying on it. I think he will be the starter. Um, but like you said, it's not 100%. But my confidence is definitely higher than like, I'd say it's like a 70% that he would be the starter in my mind. Um, and he's getting a shot to kind of prove it now. Uh, and that's what he was looking for. And I believe that a guy like that coming in with the mindset, playing with a great team in front of you doesn't hurt either. Um, so if he can just play his game and, and do well, he definitely could take a big step forward from what he's put up in the past. Uh, I regret trading him in one of my cap dynasty leagues these days, uh, especially when I have Leonard, who's going to be out for the whole season. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I can still be excited about him in redraft leagues. Um, and I would probably be taking him a bit higher than some of the other goalies that it, he's going around. So um, that's kind of where I put him. I don't know that he has as much of a jump forward as some of the other players we've mentioned, but in the rankings, but, uh, but I am a high on him and, and would be happy to have him. Any, any thoughts on Georgiev, Mason? Not particularly. I do <laughs> lean towards him being the starter, but I think uh, Francois is a good goalie as well. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I could see it being like 45 starts to 37, um, which, yeah, I, it doesn't inspire that much confidence. I don't think he's going to be a volume guy. Um, I'd be more likely to take him in a cast league. Um, and in Kikupful, I'm going to lean towards those situations where we know for sure um yeah that there's a sure starter that's a fair point all right so enough of this uh lovey-dovey crap let's get negative let's move on to the players that we hate not personally but we hate where they are being drafted currently maybe we still like them but maybe just not as high as they we would have to commit taking them at currently where they are going this time mason first so mason let's hear your top overall guy that you're not feeling in drafts this year yeah uh this one was super easy for me as soon as i was thinking about guys going too high and that is quinn hughes i think i can keep it pretty brief uh he finished 27th uh in terms of points per game as a defenseman last year so he was the 27th best defenseman in points per game and this year we are drafting him as the 12th overall defenseman that is way too high um we can't expect that many more points from him. He puts up no peripherals. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm a Canucks fan and uh, love having Quinn Hughes on the team, but I hate him for fantasy. Where he is going at pick 55, I said I don't like Brent Burns. 
I would still much rather have Brent Burns at pick 55 than I would Quinn Hughes. I'm on board with you too, Mason. That was one of the guys that I had mentioned was on my list as well. Um, and I think you touched on the main reason for me is Quinn Hughes doesn't get perifs. So he only has to lose a few points and all of a sudden he drops a significant tier down in defenseman for me. As much as he is a great player in, in real life to watch, you know, fun guy to watch, creative, whatever. But in fantasy, if it's a points league that counts those peripherals, he just is not going to get those for you. Um, so even being 25th overall scoring defenseman, you're going to have other D that get the perifs to bump up those points for you. So I do agree. He's going a little bit too high for me. People just get really ex- excited on him. To quote Ben Burnett about Quinn Hughes and his ADP, what are we doing? <laughs> All right, uh, PJ, let's hear uh, your first player that you're not not feeling this year. All right, the first player that I kind of hating on the uh, ADP right now is Tage Thompson. Um, and give me a second. Hold on. I know this guy's started to break out and um, looking great, but... I also went back and looked at his past seasons and kind of got a bit more of a sense of who Tage Thompson was, because let's be honest, there was a bunch of people last year asking, who is Tage Thompson, who just kind of started to break out. And part of that is because over the last five seasons, he hasn't finished positively in goals scored above expected once until this last season when he scored 15 goals above expected. And I just see some regression coming in that. And I'm not saying I don't like the player and I'm not, uh, against him being drafted by any means. I, I like um, that he's, you know, started to take that step forward. Um, but even if he comes down in the goals expected, I still see he'll have a massive drop in what his ranking is overall. Um, so I'm going to draft with caution. Mason saying in the chat that he had a baby this summer as well. So that's always a red flag. Uh, you know, it's not twins, but it's still a baby. Um, so there's just a few things for him that I just think I'm going to stay away. I believe he was going around the high 90s. I can just double check that one. Yeah, he's going around 93rd. And I guess over the last few, he's actually dropped a bit to 104. So maybe some of the other patrons are starting to see what I see as well as uh, his ADP is starting to go a little bit lower over the last few drafts. Um, But yeah, he's a guy that I still like, and I still think there's value there. I'm just not taking him in the top 100 personally. I don't know. If you have twins, is that like double negative turns into a positive? I can't remember a <laughs> a uh, player who had twins recently, but feel free any listener. There was one. There was one a couple years back, and I can't remember who it was. But uh, speaking from experience of my sister in law having twins right now, <laughs> she is not sleeping, and neither is her husband. So uh, I'm going to go with twins as definitely significantly worse than than one for the amount of sleep and rest you're going to be getting. <laughs> but he had a baby i'm not having that mason how do you feel about tage yeah i think it was petrangelo who had the triplets and had a dip in his production the season following that um he did rebound from that in his last year in seattle and then or in st louis and then obviously um yeah going to vegas has been pretty good uh so you can't come back from having triplets uh or having having kids but i don't know if it's a positive for the first year following um i do i do like tage though i'm not reaching for him in drafts at all but i do have confidence in his floor um given how much they just paid him um i'm pretty sure he's gonna 
stick in that top line uh, center job and get decent wingers and um, all the power play time he wants. So um, I think he he'll have a solid season. Um, I just don't see a, like much of a high ceiling, and that's probably where PJ is going. Like there's nowhere. It's it's hard to see him going up from what he did this last year significantly. Yeah, I guess my question to you guys, the main one that kind of stood out to me because he was right on that threshold, and not that it's a number that really matters that much, but do you see Tage Thompson as being a top 100 fantasy player in couple next year? And that's kind of where I said I, I see him just outside of, and he's right now being drafted inside of the top 100. Yeah, that's a good point. Like I kind of think like his ceiling is what he did last year. We'll yeah, see. I think that. 70 point ish ceiling kind of makes sense. And yeah, I don't, uh, I could see him finishing just inside the top 100, um, but I could also see him finishing just outside the top 100. So in that case, he'd be going around round and a half ahead of uh, where he should be. I just don't see him falling kind of past that like 120 mark. I do like Jeff Skinner though. Shout out Jeff Skinner. Sneaky, uh, <laughs> sneaky late honorable mention from my love list. But um, yeah, the- Jeff. Jeff Skinner's going 65 picks later. So if you want Tage Thompson's line mate, you can get that five rounds later. Yeah. They're both top line, top power play. But uh, yeah, my first player that I hate where he's being drafted uh, this year, JT Miller. Mason, tell him why. Just real quick. You know why. Had a baby. JT Miller. He had a I was going to say that. I didn't know he had a baby. And JT Miller, I mean, yeah, he's going high. That's understandable. The man had 99 points in 80 games last year. That's mighty good. But before that, he never had more than 72. And other than that, his season high, simply 58 points. And to go where he's going in drafts right now, 23 ADP. That puts him right in the back of the second round. That's just way too high. I'd maybe go with them in the third. Well, not early third. I would go with them late third, early fourth, maybe. But God, watch out for that baby. Way too early for JT Miller. I have some thoughts on Miller, not necessarily on the baby. I think we can all agree that he's going to regress from his uh, 101 point pace. Um, but his time in Vancouver. Solid like, math there. All- able to convert that <laughs> 99 points into a 101 pace uh, it's close to 102 i had to round down but uh <laughs> yeah i think if you take his seasons in vancouver together um like all three of them and kind of average them out he's like you know it's like a like 85 point guy and um he from watching a lot of the connects this year like he did really take a step forward um on his own he was playing with uh some bad line mates a lot of the year tanner pearson was his most common line mate and tanner pearson was was awful <laughs> last year and then he had a, kind of a mix of hoglander uh hoglander brock besser and connor garland and um yeah i think if he continues playing with those players i'd put him back at uh, you know his average from the last few years like i said which was 85 i think he might see a bit more time with uh an improved brock besser and um hopefully an improved elias Petter Person. um not going to see a lot of even strength time with those guys but i think he'll get a bit more um and hopefully you know their bounce backs can uh help keep his pace not so unsustainable as it was last year and so um i'm projecting him a bit above that 85 uh closer to 90 92 and uh in that range i do think he kind of belongs uh at the start of the third round so i'd be happy to take him there he's going a few picks higher than that in uh 
ADP, I believe. But um, yeah, I'm, I think it's close to the right value as far as I see the situation. I didn't uh, factor in the baby though, so I should probably drop him like five spots uh, to come a little more in line with you. Sorry, real and- quick, Paige. Uh, if a if it's a contract year gives you a plus ten points, having a baby, I'd say at least takes off seven. PJ, what, what say you? All right, we'll, we'll start the spreadsheet uh, this year and just uh, do our projections and then baby affected and contract affected. We'll, we'll, we'll bring that to the people for next year. Um, but yeah, so for JT Miller, he's definitely going to regress a bit um, in my mind. He is going a little bit higher in the patron ranking than probably where I would take him. Uh, I did mention as one of my loves was Jack Eichel and Jack Eichel's going, you know, a good few spots behind him, And I would personally take Jack Eichel over JT Miller at this point. Um, so that would bump him down a little bit. Interesting enough, Mason, looking at the last five ADP, he's actually gone up. He's now 20th. Uh, Cause I think you were mentioning the ADP. He, his average is 23, but he's gone up to 20. Um, and I agree. I just, I feel like that's a little too high for him for me. I still think he's going to be a super valuable fantasy player on, on a team, but I just have a few guys that I'd take Crosby over him. I'd take Eichel over him. Um, you know, these are some of the players that are just behind him. So uh, that's kind of where I land on, on JT Miller. This is all a ploy to really let uh, JT Miller fall to Mason in the second round of our uh, couple drafts where he will happily draft him. What, what do you have? Like the 20, uh, you have like the 25th or something, isn't it? Right around there. Yeah, I picked 26th, end of the second round. That sounds yeah, it sounds right. JT Miller range. I could I could I could see it happening. Uh, but uh, all right, so who do we got going uh, as your second player? That or maybe maybe a couple players in one pick kind of thing. I don't know. Whatever you're feeling, Mason. Who are you not feeling this year? Yeah, like you mentioned, this is a two-in-one, and I'm going over to Calgary. Um, rivals of my Canucks and rivals of uh, PJ's Oilers, so I'm hoping to get some support here. Uh, but I think Jonathan Huberdeau, first of all, is being drafted way too high. Um, he's going in the first round, which I could see in Florida, though I would have had him as a, a second-round pick myself. But um, he's still going at pick 12 despite the move to Calgary and like Dave was saying before it's tough for new players sometimes to click on a team together Um, but you know going from Florida to playing with uh, Elias Lindholm who in my opinion was carried a little bit by Matthew Kachuk and uh, Johnny Gaudreau this last season um, I think Lindholm's going to come back down to earth a bit. And I think Huberto is going to have a really hard time putting up a hundred points with, uh, you know, Lindholm and maybe Mangiapane or Toffoli on the other wing on the power play. Uh, maybe Mackenzie Weger gets that job. Otherwise it's, uh, Anderson, who I also don't think is a great power play quarterback. Um, I still have Huberto projected for like, uh, 95 points. I think, um, you know, that's, that's pretty reasonable given, um, aside from this last year, when he put up like 115, he was, he was a 90, 95 point guy. Um, I just have him projected going back to that. And that puts him in like in the middle of the third round for me. And I think taking that guy in the first round, um, with some of those question marks, I mean, if it works out, it works out. But if you miss on that pick, uh, you may be 
<laughs> throwing the draft um, by taking him that high at pick 12. I'm on board with your takes here, Mason. I'm not very high on either of those two you mentioned this year, uh, but not not draftable. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like don't draft these guys. As we mentioned, this is just hating on where they're being their average draft pick right now. Huberto is a guy that I've loved for years, been huge uh, fan of his. I think he was one of the more underrated players for a very long time uh, when he was on Florida and he sneakily would keep over performing from where his draft point was. But this one I'm with you. I just don't know if I see him, you know, finishing in that top, you know, he's 12th overall right now being drafted. Um, Maybe he's dropped down to 14 over the last few kind of in the mock drafts. And I just see him more as a second round draft pick than a first round draft pick for myself. Um, And that's with me being a fan of his, obviously I'm not a fan of Calgary. I'm not trying, I'm trying to not take that uh, into consideration. I've made it clear to a few people uh, in the past that my emotions this season on what Calgary's done have gone all over the place from them losing Goudreau and then having Kachuk ask to get traded me being disappointed because the, you know, Battle of Alberta was just starting to get exciting again, thinking that they'd be, you know, deflated. And then they went and they were able to pull off the trade, getting Uyghur and Huberto, and then also bringing in some other players that might be mentioned later. And now I'm actually excited again that Calgary is still going to stay competitive. So I'm not saying that they're going to take like a massive, massive step back, but I just don't know that we'll see Huberto putting up the same amount of points. He's a pass first guy. He's always been known for his assists but he doesn't have the same kind of finishing talent that he did when he was playing in Florida, in my opinion. Yeah. Huberto, obviously I'm weary, you know, going to a new place as we talked about a bunch and it is a, you know, a new contract. People worry that he's going to rest on his laurels or his big old stack of money perhaps. But I'll tell you what helps alleviate some fears for me is his Instagram where He's posting a training video that we absolutely love to see that he lets us know. Now, I'm not going to rest on my fat stack of cash. I'm going to keep going out there and I'm going to grind. You love to see it. I mean, is like 12 a little bit high for someone with that many question marks? Perhaps, but I mean, for a left winger, I'll never be too mad at you for kind of going with uh, something that's a little... Uh, a little more hard to get. So I won't be too upset with Huberto going there, but yeah, I'd probably rather wait until like early to mid second, ideally. The training video is a good point. Obviously he's going to be in shape for this year, but you know where else he was this summer in the Calgary flames locker room. And I don't know if you guys saw the pictures of that place, but you know, he's not going (laughs) to be able to keep his motivation up all year. So it is um, literally falling apart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And as we mentioned before, this uh, one was a twofer for me. And uh, the second player I want to bring up is uh, his line mate, Lindholm. Um, I have a lot of concerns about Lindholm uh, after being, you know, having that huge season with uh, Goudreau and Kachuk, who he had chemistry with. Now he's going to get two brand new line mates. Um, His career highs before this last season were way lower than um, what he did this past year. And just looking at ADP, he's going at 49 right between Tarasenko and Line A, um, who are both wingers and I think, uh, you know, have more upside and more peripherals than he does. Uh, And I'd honestly 
probably drop him like 25 or 30 spots, um, especially as a center. Um, you know, if he does click with Huberdeau, he may return that draft value. But if he doesn't, um, this is just another pick where, uh, yeah, if it doesn't work out, you're spending a fourth round pick on a guy, um, yeah, who I just think should be going a lot later. Uh, for example, maybe I'll compare him to Matt Duchesne, who's currently going at 88. Um, that's like 40 picks later. Maybe he's a bit better than uh, Duchesne and should be a bit higher um, you know, playing with Huberto as opposed to Forsberg and Yossi. But um, yeah, given that type of comparison, I'd way rather have uh, the guy later who uh, is still going to regress, but should still have a solid season. Yeah, I don't know that I would put Lindholm in the top 50 for me. And so we're going to go back again to those arbitrary, even numbers that people like, like myself. Um, right now going just inside the top 50. I'm with you, Mason. I don't know that he will he does have Huberto playing with him and like we just said Huberto is a good player he's still going to be you know one of those top players in the league uh I just don't know that he'll be that you know first round pick kind of top player this year but he's still going to be up there um and Huberto does love to dish the puck maybe we see Lindholm still be able to kind of keep up his goals I think he had just over 30 last year 32 if I remember correctly from what I was reading um I just don't see him keeping up and like you said new line mates you know pr probably both and we'll just see where it goes from there um so I'm not putting him in the top 50 I don't know that I'm dropping him as low as where you were saying that uh Duchesne goes which is what you said you wouldn't necessarily go that low so I kind of agree with you on that but then looking at a few of the other players that you mentioned I'd take line a over him um, and then even some players would be interesting to see, like we've got, uh, you know, Dougie Hamilton and like, you know, Brent Burns and stuff around there that we were talking about before, or sorry, not Brent Burns, uh, Dougie Hamilton and uh, like, oh yeah, Burns is a bit lower for a different position, but those kind of guys who we were talking about who are going in around the same spot. And I just see taking a, you know, a top D at this point. Uh, in the draft over a top centerman who I have too many questions about would maybe be my move at that point in the draft. Here's the thing. The man's Instagram is a work of art. We've got dogs, beaches, fishing, even freaking safari trips. It could not be in a better spot mentally than Elias Lindholm. I, I combined that with Huberto's training video. And yeah, we say maybe they won't mesh. But it seems to me, based on that, what I'm get, picking up is that the vibes are definitely going to mesh. Now, I'm not saying he's going to turn into a superstar, certainly by no means. But the center slander that we have been discussing here today has got to stop. I mean, draft the points at the points league. Take the points. And, yeah, if he's sitting there late fourth, early fifth, I'll pick him up all day. I have one question for you, Dave, and that's which do you prefer to see, the vacation picks or the workout videos? Which one puts a player ahead? Workout videos. I think if I had to tier them, it's training training posts, probably dogs, and um, yeah, then it's like beach slash yeah, general vacay put in the final tier. Okay. And yeah, we've got Huberto ranked ahead, so I think we've got that right. And I would just say, you know, but do you think he's just going on these vacations and trying to get his head straight because he's so sad of the departure of his <laughs> two wingers over the offseason? He's got to 
figure out something to keep them happy. I don't, I don't know that these vacation videos are all just sunshine and rainbows, Dave. You know, a lot of people put some false stuff out there. So I, I, I'm questioning where it is. He should be in the gym training with Huberto, getting that chemistry, not going on safaris. Your gym's not big enough. Only, <laughs> only one person can fit in there at a time. <laughs> He figured he needed to learn to work with uh, panthers, so he's out uh, observing the animals on the safari, trying to get that chemistry that way. Yeah, and PJ, you're just trying to cover up from the fact. I'll tell you when someone's not right in the head, it's Jack Eichel, like we talked about. When you're updating your stories every day, but you haven't made a post since you got traded from Buffalo. You can't tell me that's not fishy, but all right, let's move on to who... I think PJ, you're next, right? I don't know. Mason somehow got two in there, snuck them right past us, I guess. But go ahead, PJ. Well, now I feel bad because now it's like, you know, I was trying to not just jump on Calgary and give Calgary all this bad hate because, as I said, I was excited that they, you know, brought some players back in and they're going to keep this rivalry. And I do believe that Calgary will be a competitive team. But another player that I think is just going a little bit higher than where I'd be taking him is Kadri. And Kadri played amazing last year, but we have to remember he was playing with the likes of Colorado and playing on that top power play where he got so many of his points uh, was playing on Colorado's power play. Um, and like I said, he, you know, I was sad when Calgary actually lost Kachuk and that they lost Goudreau, although they brought some good ones in, but it was kind of sad to see Kachuk go because as much as I hated playing against him, um, he was the, that agitator who kind of brought a little bit of spark to that Battle of Alberta. And I think Kadri will fill that void, uh, you know, immensely, especially with the injury last year playing against uh, my Oilers in the playoffs and taking them out. So there might be some some hatred there that keeps it going. Um, but he's right now going around kind of in that 94 is what I had yesterday when I wrote this down. I don't know if it's moved at all. Um since then uh he's yeah still at around 94 he's actually been going at like 86 overall lately in drafts and that's just too high for me this is a guy who had basically his career year last year um and i still think he's going to be a valuable player and i would still be happy to take him on my team later on but i'm not picking him at 86 or even you know early 90s at this point i just think you know he's not quite that reliable person um, because he's fluctuated year to year. His points per game have, you know, been pretty low until basically the last couple of years. And he's not playing with that dynamite Colorado offense uh, on the power play. So I'm just going to see a little bit of a drop in him personally. I know the patrons have actually ranked him down lower than what I've seen him going in some other um, rankings online. Um, but I would just personally rank him even slightly a bit lower. Uh, again, I'm not saying he should be dropped down to like, you know, 180 or whatever, but Dom's ranking with our projections has him around 157. I see him a bit higher than that, but I see him a bit lower than the 94 that he's been going. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. He's a bit too high for my liking. We haven't talked about any avalanche, I believe, so far, but my thoughts on pretty much all of the rankings on the avalanche are this that was a late and long season man one of the things that i was reminded of kind of going back and looking at everyone's instagrams is that 
geez, they just got done at the end of June. That wasn't that long ago. And people are still having cup parades in late August. Like people forget that, like hangover central. And obviously he's not on the abs anymore. So maybe it won't be as bad. Maybe he can be propped up, but still we're talking maybe second line, second power play is a very real possibility. And so, yeah, seventh round way too high for that much of a risk for me i'd maybe maybe wouldn't start take that chance until maybe about the 10th round or something like that what do you think mason yeah i can't see kadri kadri really returning that value like if you look at his point paces like you mentioned pj over six years in toronto it's like average of 52 point pace and then he goes like okay that was toronto you know he's behind some really good centers didn't get power play time or anything goes to Colorado, gets a new look, first two years, 52-point pace. Exactly the same. And then he puts up 100 <laughs> this last season, and it's just so outrageous. You know, his nothing looks that insanely different in terms of, like, shooting percentage or anything um, that we would expect to regress horribly. But obviously, he's going to a new situation. He's no longer in a contract year. He's still probably going to be just the second-line center, and I just expect him to do pretty much what he's done his whole career. I'm going to believe the like 600 games of him being a 52 point player over the 70 games of him being a 100 point player. You can add a few more points probably to that uh, 52 point pace, especially if he's on the top power play, you know, we can give him 60, 65, but I would place a large amount of money on a bet that he won't be over point per game this year. My second guy that I'm not feeling this year is uh, Alex DeBrinkett. Obviously, let's talk a little bit about the offseason darlings, the Ottawa Senators, and kind of instantly, in a lot of people's minds, put themselves in playoff contention. The only problem is that Alex DeBrinkett had a baby on May 18th. And that is no bueno. That probably means that he will end up on the second line, second power play in Ottawa. Don't get me wrong. He'll still get his. He'll still put up shots. He'll still put up points. But for where he is being drafted currently in drafts, Alex Dabrinkit is going 31st. That's right at the top of the third round. I mean, once again, kind of like Huberto, I can't be too mad at you for going with someone uh, at the left wing or right wing that early. Uh, not as plentiful options there later on so i understand but i think you're going to be disappointed we don't know how those lines are going to shake out what do you think mason yeah i like to bring it like you said the start of the third is probably too early for me um and for that reason like i haven't gotten him in any of the mocks uh maybe when the mocks were starting he had a bit of a bump from that trade just happening and everyone you know reacting to that whereas uh more recently he's fallen like six spots from there uh, in the most recent mocks and that feels more right to me in the middle of the third round um i might take him at the end of the third round if he was available to me there um i'm i'm pretty confident he's going to get good deployment in ottawa again they paid him so much money and uh you know gave up assets to go and get him and i think they're gonna absolutely give him top power play Beyond that, I don't care too much whether he's first or second line because of who Ottawa has in their top six. And um, yeah, I just think he's a really talented player. He's shown that he can put up like 
275 shots in a season um, and scores on a lot of those shots. So um, I don't think that he probably hits his like complete upside um, like he has shown flashes of in Chicago with Patrick Kane, but I still think he has an extremely solid floor and, you know, there's a chance he goes on a bit of a shooting percentage uh, bender with all those shots that he takes and uh, ends up scoring enough to make him worth this pick. Yeah, I'd say I'm possibly a little higher on him than you, Dave, but I also don't think I'd be necessarily taking him where he's going in the painted rankings right now. I do like that Ottawa top six. I think they're a team that's starting to progress. They're starting to show more. I could see a bounce back from Shabbat as well, which would help with that power play. Um, you know, last year, Debrinket on Chicago had 14 goals and 14 assists on the power play. So he is a guy that does well on the man advantage and has proved that. Um, and he'll be playing with some, you know, more better players. Not, not that all of them, you know, we can, you know, talk about some of the other players that he's played with in the past, but I think there's going to be a better um, top power play that he's playing with this year uh, than what he has had to work with at Chicago the past couple of years. Um, so I could still see some value in him. Much like Mason said, I'm not too worried whether he's top line or second line on the top six, as long as he's getting that top power play time, he's going to be, you know, a valuable player. Um, but I can also understand. And I think the patrons are starting to, uh, you know, see that trend as well, because he's dropped now from being his ADP of 31 uh, overall has dropped now in the last few drafts to 38. So he's dropped, you know, a, a significant amount, uh, being that that probably ADP was even a little bit higher before those last few drafts. So, um, you know, he's probably gone from the high 20s to now the late 30s in drafts more recently. All right. And uh, real quick here, just because I know uh, Ottawa is talking to town. Let's go. Let's go around once real quick and just lightning round. Talk about any other Ottawa senator that you want to talk about. Because Mason, I know you're dying to talk about a couple of players. Uh, one of you, you haven't even mentioned the one, Josh Norris. I'll call you out on that. Torque a couple division right now. Talking about his second round talent and whatnot but whatever i i digress mason talk about whatever senator you'd like i think uh the guy that i have concerns about in ottawa is drake batherson um his vibes this summer have not been good uh i'll just leave it at that and um you know bringing in uh, Giroux and to also probably is not good for him um he may keep his top uh, line spot with Norris and Kachuk, which would be great. And I don't hate it if he's on the second line with uh, Stutzel and uh, Giroux either. However, I just can't see him getting on the top power play. Um, I think like Norris is their top line center, great at faceoffs, um, absolutely feasted on on the power play last year. Um, Brady Kachuk's obviously there. They need a defenseman, probably Shabbat. Brinkett's the guy that they just brought in and um, paid this money to. I just, I don't see him like getting a spot. We also know Giroux is great on the power play. Stutzless showed how good he was last year. Um, I don't see them pulling up another winger to that top line. And I think Batherson's definitely the guy that uh, falls outside of that. So um, I think he's being drafted probably 20 spots too high. Um, he's actually going at uh, 75th right now. 
and um, three of the four players going after him at uh, 76, 77, 78, 79 are Larkin, Dobson, and Haskinen. And those are three guys that we've already brought up uh, on our various love lists. And I would much rather have all of those guys, for example, um, than Batherson, who could very well end up just being second line, second power play. Yeah, I would agree. There's uh, definitely some question marks around him in a number of realms. Uh, so I, I can get on board with a lot of what you said there, Mason. Um, uh, just as a side note, I did trade Drake Batherson to Mason in the offseason in one of our keeper leagues. Uh, so there's that as well. So I'm definitely... I regret that. Than what Mason was earlier in the summer. This was, uh, you know, a few months back now. So it's uh, there's there's hindsight for sure. Uh, the one other player I just want to mention for the opposite realm is I think Brady Kachuk's a guy that I think he's going drafting probably appropriately right now. But he's a guy that I could see take a step forward. It was only a couple seasons ago that he was actually like a first round draft pick for for lots of people maybe near the end of the draft um, but now he's kind of moved more into that um, kind of second round draft pick and I would be very happy to get him where he's going uh, I just love his peripherals uh, that's the big one and if he can start figuring out how to get more more, more points into the you know more pucks in the back of the net then uh, I'd be very happy with him so I know it's a side note not as much in the same one but Dave, just you mentioning some of these other Ottawa Senators. I like what Kachuk brings to the table, and I'm kind of excited to see what him in front of the net with maybe Debrinket as a trigger man, Norris centering it, and then we'll see if it's Stutzler or Giroux or whoever is the other forward that's on there uh, with maybe a little bounce back from Shabbat, and that's kind of an exciting young uh, power play that I'm going to be having some fun watching this year. Yeah, Brady Tuchuk got engaged, uh, as we talked about, yet to yet to be seen where engagement uh, ultimately ends up on the tiers of relationship milestones. But if I had to rank them, I'd probably say marriage tier one, engaged tier two, and then just do not draft is having a baby and they will be between the ages of zero and one during the NHL season. I actually have a theory even that once they go from one to two, like almost baby to toddler, then you see like a bounce back. Like that's when you want to pounce on those guys in drafts. But I digress in regards to uh, Brady Tuchuk's fine. The only Senator I really like is a uh, big time Timmy Jim uh, Stutzla has a training video. So he's the only person I really trust in Ottawa. And when you look at ADP 104, end of the eighth round for a left winger, I think that's pretty good. Not to mention, I have a bet with our good pal, Dusty O. And he, I think, I think it was uh, who gets more points, Stutzla or Malkin? Real quick, let's go around. Who's going to, who's going to score more points this year, Stutzla or Malkin? Point, pace, Malkin. No, I think it's just <laughs> points. points. I think it's maybe. points with like a certain amount. I forget exactly what it was. All right, but you're going with the minimum games played. Yeah, yeah. Malkin, PJ, who do you got? Malkin or Stutzla? Oh, that's a tough one, but I, I think I go Malkin as well. Still on this one, but it's not going to be long that Stutzla is going to be one of those top guys in the league. I think. All right, all right, we'll see. All right, so and lastly, uh, let's go to Mason for your third guy that 
you're just not feeling this year. Technically, you're fourth, but third official. Yeah, well, um, you know, Dabrinkit coming to Ottawa left a big hole in Chicago, and uh, Patrick Kane is going to have absolutely nobody to play with. And, you know, he's a very good player. He can drive play himself without stellar line mates, but he's turning 34 um, and is losing the guy he's been productive with over the last couple of seasons. Um, and I just don't think he's going to do what he has um, the last little while uh, with the Brinkett. Um, <laughs> I don't even know who he's going to play with this year. I have absolutely no idea. Um, maybe Max Domi, but I, I don't know. I don't really see him above like a point per game guy. If he's going to be doing everything on his own, maybe like 85 points. But for me, that puts him at like, I don't know, pick 40 to pick 50, like uh, end of the third or even into the fourth uh, round type of pick. And he's uh, currently, let me just double check his ADP, but I think I saw it was 28. And um, yeah, that's just, that's too high for me. Like we've talked about other guys we like at that spot, such as Crosby and Eichel going right before and right after him. Um, and I just, I don't see that much upside. Um, I think it's just the name. Like we all really liked him as a first round pick last year. Um, but this year I, I, I can't see him repeating any of that. Vibes in Chicago are obviously not good at all, um, both off the ice and on the ice. Um, they got rid of all their, <laughs> all their potentially good players. Uh, maybe he and Seth Jones can make some magic and Jones will have a bounce back, but, um, yeah, not a fan of Patrick Kane. If he gets traded, I would change my take, but I don't see that happening until maybe the trade deadline. And at that point, I just think you should just take a guy who's going to be good all year. Yeah. Honestly, with the, the trade talk, it's interesting that he's decided to stay with, you know, all these trade talks going around. Cause I think if anything, he's just going to hurt his draft value this year. I don't think he's going to, he's still a performer and he's still going to produce points. I don't think any of us are questioning that. It's just at what volume um, history will definitely still keep him a valuable, you know, trade target for different teams. Uh, I know there's been a lot of teams talking about trying to take on um, him for a trade deadline by maybe something like that um, with Chicago retaining money. And then maybe even using a third team to retain even more money to make it feasible for some teams on his final year but I just I'm with you Mason I don't see it where he's going uh I would be taking Jack Eichel above him as I've mentioned who's currently right behind him in the patron rankings um and yeah honestly I just I feel like Chicago has fully gone into rebuild mode uh and he what is going to play with maybe Taves and Athanasiu or something like that. I just, I don't see that as being the top producing lines like he's had in the past. So couldn't disagree more. Uh, the high end of drafting Patrick Kane in these mock drafts is 15. Yeah. Sorry. That was me. I was seeing what I could do with getting Patrick Kane at the top of the second round. That's how much I like Patrick Kane. I don't care who's playing with him. You can put a couple of Chris Ladners out there skating with them on the top line and top power play. He's still going to be a point per game player. He's still going to put shots on net. He's still going to be incredible value here at the end of the second round, let alone start of the third round. Yeah. Had I not drafted him 15th overall, that one mock draft, he probably would be around like middle of the third right now. 
I'll tell you this right now, couple tier four joker, I believe is our name. If he's there when I'm drafting in the third, say goodbye to Patrick Kane because that is an incredible floor. I don't care who he's playing with. As long as he's healthy, he is going to be well worth wherever he goes in the drafts this year. This show is absolutely perfect with Dave and I being in the same uh, <laughs> division in Kakapo because we're going to be targeting the opposite players, and that's perfect. Dave and, or PJ and I were on the same page for a lot, a lot of players last season, and he sniped me on a few guys. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this draft a lot more as long as none of the listeners snipe me. <laughs> and I guess I sniped you pretty good because I, uh, I did eventually move up to Tier 2 after last year. Uh, so, not a big uh, deal we'll be going strong trying to make my push to make it in tier one for next year um i i agree mason it was kind of funny how similar our lists were last year for so many and it's funny that i'm somewhat agreeing with you on this one again so uh yeah patrick kane's a guy i've never drafted ever in the history of my fantasy playing and you know, I have dropped down in a couple leagues, but, uh, you know, that's with 12 plus leagues in some seasons. And I've still never, ever drafted him. sometimes because he's gone too high when he was in his prime to me, just maybe him being one of those mental block players that just doesn't make it on my list ever. All right, PJ, who you got as your third guy that you just not feeling this year? So third guy on my list of uh, who I'm not feeling is actually kind of funny because I'm going to just start out by saying, I just don't like anyone from this whole trade tree that has gone on with uh, Calgary this year. So Matthew Kachuk is the other one that I think is going a little bit higher than what I think he should be going. Um, There were some models put out um, that were showing how reliant uh, Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau were on each other for their points last year, and now they're not playing with each other. Um, so it will be interesting to see. I think Kachuk will still be a very good player. He's an agitator. He can score. He can skate. Um, he's going to be playing with Barkov most likely. Um, so I still do like him, but I just think at 19th overall, I'm just there's too many question marks for me when there's other for sure players. Like I'm looking at a Panarin or you know something like that around the same area that's going in the draft and that's just one that doesn't have those new team question marks doesn't have you know just i don't know i just feel like everyone in that whole trade is going to regress a little bit last year it was all these players that were so high in league scoring we had you know Huberdo, you know with crazy amount of points we had kachuk with a crazy amount of points we had you know Goudreau with a crazy amount of points. And now all these guys have moved on to new scenarios, uh, not playing with familiar players. And um, I just see some regression from all of them. So I'm not as high on Matthew Kachuk as some of the patrons, although if he was still sitting around a couple picks later. um, So I'm not saying I'm dropping him a whole round, but I would say I'm going later in the round than where he's going right now. Yeah, I'm actually pretty indifferent on it. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, kind of like you said, I don't think he's going to be a hundred point player, but yeah, I, th- I think 90, maybe even ceiling of 95 is very doable. Mason, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I think these NHL GMs played it pretty smart. Uh, we talk about in fantasy, you know, buying high or <laughs> selling high, buying low. And uh, they all sold high on these players, uh, you know, whether they didn't want to give them a contract or whether they didn't think, you know, they probably just thought, uh, they would try and see what they could get for them. And, you know, 
Huberto and Matthew Kajak kind of got each other. And I think they'll both be a little disappointing um, following that trade. I am slightly concerned that Kachuk won't play with Barkoff, just given Florida's like refusal to play Huberto and Barkoff together. I think if he does play with Barkoff, he's going to have a very, very good season. Um, you know, he's still not going to do what he did last year. And I do agree that his couple ADP ranking is too high. Um, but if he does play with Barkoff, he could pay off in that range at least. Um, if he doesn't, then you're kind of in trouble. And I think you see Kachuk members falling back to what they were um, prior to this last season, uh, playing with uh, Gaudreau and Lindholm. And that would definitely be uh, troubling for his value. But he has such a great floor and, you know, going to play with Barkov and Verkehagi and then getting top power play with probably Reinhardt and Ekblad. Um, it's it's quite a good situation, and I think that will keep his floor extremely high, even if he doesn't have the same ceiling that he showed last year. Last year was also, just to point out, his first time ever being over a point-per-game player. Uh, before that, he's always been under point-per-game. Um, so we just can't, like, you know, there's definitely recency bias with lots of players and lots of stuff, but we have to remember that he hasn't always been there. Uh, he got to that point. And then he lost the players he's playing with, and we don't know what his situation is. And that's pretty much where I'm basing. Like I said before, those first couple rounds, I like to go with more of a guarantee. Um, yes, there's some upside. Like you said, Mason, if he plays with Barkov, he could repeat. There is definitely a chance. If he doesn't, there's also a chance that he could regress. You know, I wouldn't say significantly, but regress more to what he was doing before last year, where he's not even a point per game player. Um, so it could land anywhere in that mix. And that's the reason that I would be pushing them kind of later in that second round uh, for sure. If not even, you know, maybe looking at early third round, but probably late second round is where I see him going rather than early second round. Yeah. And a uh, super quick, honorable mention Carter Verhage, actually someone that I, I think I'd give like a 75% chance to uh, end up winning that top line spot. Uh, Decent, decent value in drafts, especially for a winger, keep in mind. But uh, I'll move it right along over to my third guy that I'm not feeling this year. Um, it's I had the Crosby pick earlier, but so to prove that I'm not a homer, I'm going with uh, Chris Letang. Um, maybe might come as a surprise to some people. Uh, obviously, just signed that big fat contract and he's not going anywhere no matter what happens to him no matter how many games he's playing penguins are eventually gonna have to eat that contract and typically i wouldn't i'd be like yeah don't be scared of injuries you know all that fun stuff but last year in his contract year he was posting training videos showing that hey i'm in tip-top shape uh after he signed his big fat contract no training videos to be found that makes me scared i'll stay away there's a bunch of other defensemen that i like in that tier like the aforementioned brett burns that i'd rather go after but i'd probably i'd get Latang, but maybe just like a round or two later uh mason what do you think yeah um i don't know i'm okay with Latang this year i think you know he had a really good season last year but um how quickly we forget all his injury plagued seasons times when he was losing the top power play to other players. Um, you know, this was his best season in quite a while. And I do have concerns about him going back to, uh, you know, kind of what he was doing before and that could potentially involve injury as well. So 
Um, I don't think I've taken him in any mocks. As I said before, I kind of see like uh, Cider um, as well as maybe even like Hamilton and um, Ekblad in the same tier. And I prefer probably all of those guys over Letang um, just for upside and less injury risk. And um, I actually... (laughs) <laughs> this is probably a dumb take to put on the show, but um, I, I think that Jeff Petrie is a better backup power play quarterback than they've had um, in quite a while. So if Latang does struggle or has injury, I think Petrie could um, pick that up and run with it a little bit better uh, than those guys too. Yeah, I could agree with a little bit more competition. That could also push Chris Latang to you know make sure that he performs so he doesn't lose that power play spot. Um, but it's just nice for the Penguins to have a little bit more insurance of somebody who could kind of slot in there potentially. Um, But we also saw how up and down Petrie can be, you know, last year compared to the year before that as well. So um, there's definitely some question marks there. I would say for Latang though, maybe he moves down a couple spots. Uh, I'd probably look at taking a couple of those D that were mentioned before him. He's probably like what Mason said, the lower end of that kind of D tier for me there. But I don't know how much more because I'd still probably take Latang over Quinn Hughes, um, although we have mentioned that Quinn Hughes is going a bit higher than what we think. And that's only a couple D behind him in the list. You know, Quinn Hughes, Wrensky, Shabbat um, being some of that, maybe the next tier or whatever. Uh, but with Burns, uh, Morgan Riley, Dougie Hamilton, and Cider being the ones that are right after um, Latang in the D rankings. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I could definitely see maybe something similar to what I just said about Matthew Kachuk. He's maybe going just slightly higher than what I would probably be taking him. I don't know how much I'd be moving him down. Um, but like we did say, he signed that contract. You know, that's always a questionable one. But more so, he has been injury prone in the past. Um, but maybe they do have a little bit more insurance. So maybe they won't actually, you know, he won't be feeling like if he does have some, you know, minor tweaks that are nagging him he won't have to be in that lineup always if Pains can run with somebody else running that um, power play for a little bit let's move it to our last honorable mention for guys that we're not feeling today uh mason we'll start it off with you yeah my my honorable mention is blake wheeler losing the captaincy in winnipeg <laughs> i think that's a, a bit of a sign of the direction the team is going um, you know, shifting away from the Wheeler-led <laughs> locker room um, and now with a new coach. Um, I think they're ready to look at their younger players a little bit more. And um, yeah, I just, I don't think that's that's good vibes for Wheeler. Uh, see him going in the mocks at pick 137. And um, yeah, at that point in the draft, like I said before, you know, late 10th, um, I'm looking for guys that are, could have a lot more upside, um, like maybe take a Bjorkstrand, uh, take a Boone Jenner, um, somebody that could have a much higher ceiling, you know, rather than, or if they don't, if they lose that deployment, you know, they're kind of off your roster, go find someone else who might get that deployment, um, as opposed to a guy who's like, okay, he'll be like fine on the power play and fine on the second line and, you know, get 60 points, but there's nothing exciting there uh, for me. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that, Mason. Uh, it was a little bit of a, a shock, that news, when I read it this morning. Uh, Wheeler being stripped of the captaincy and them not even announcing another captain, just going with alternates. So, um, yeah, a little bit surprising. And 
definitely shows a little bit of what's happening in that, uh, you know, team situation. So uh, my honorable mention, one that uh, I will show that I'm not just hating on Calgary the whole time, but uh, actually a Vander Kane. So a little bit of a Homer uh, pick. And the only reason I'm saying this, I actually do think Vander Kane, he definitely proved that he can play with McDavid. He can keep up with them. He actually had some news drop today, but maybe more in the positive being that he's now settled with San Jose and he's going to be uh, getting some money from them. So, uh, you know, it makes sense why he was able to sign for a lower, uh, lower hit this year with Edmonton. Um, but he's going right now around 35. The highest he's gone is 27th overall, latest 42. And I guess the only reason he would be maybe going a little higher than I think is just because there's still some question marks around there. He only played part of the season with Edmonton, proved it had a great playoffs, but he also hasn't solidified a place on the top power play. He was still playing mostly on the second power play. They seem to like going Hyman on the top power play. So we'll see, there might be some juggling of that top unit between him and Hyman. Um, you know, he still can definitely perform on the second power play unit. And he proved that uh, playing with McDavid, he will get a lot of points uh, most likely on even strength but I just don't know if they've even fully confirmed what their lineup's going to be and who's going to be playing with who and Edmonton has notoriously been a team that shuffles their top six to top nine continually throughout the year I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up playing a bit of the season with Dreisaitl just to see that as well Um, so there's just a lot of question marks Uh, in the last draft uh, you know the mock draft I'm in right now he went in the second round at like ninth pick, I think something like that, or I I could be mistaken, but um, that just seemed a little high for me in past seasons. He's definitely finished in the top, you know, top top round worth of scoring, but he was always playing top line, top power play. And that was guaranteed when he was down on San Jose um, kind of running everything and being the top player on that team. Um, So there's just a few question marks I have around it. I still think he's going to be super valuable. He could overperform where he's being picked, but he could also underperform. And that's just where my question marks come in. I mean, yeah, you don't have to tell me twice, PJ, not to draft Evander Kane. That guy just every, almost every league I was in last year just ruined me. But uh, not only that, he had a baby. So, I mean, like we said, compounding negative, I think, not uh, uh, negating negatives or whatever the mathematical equation is but i digress also with wheeler yeah i agree with you mason uh there's so many other players around where he's being taken that i'd much rather draft uh but i think you mentioned that you might still think he's top power play i don't think he's gonna get top power play this year but we shall see and the other guy that for my honorable mention for guys that we uh aren't feeling this year i'm going with trevor zegris i know he's the uh cover boy and everything like that he seems like uh the new thing in the nhl and yeah it is fun to draft him he does a lot of fun stuff to cheer along whenever you're watching at home but he's being drafted just a little too high for my liking where he's going in drafts right now i think we kind of talked about there's a lot of high-end centers uh that i'm just a little bit more confident in you can get someone like malkin around there um, a player that we talked about hints you can get a little bit around there um, a player that i know at least me and bj at least are both high on that we didn't really talk about too much a uh, dylan larkin is going around there all those kind of centers i would much rather have than zegris who i think really uh kind of maybe maxes out at like a 70 
best case scenario, maybe 75 points this year. Uh, hey, if that comes back to haunt me, that'll be awesome. That'll be a lot of highlight real goals and stuff like that. But I would, and people will say like, oh, but the off night schedule in Anaheim, listen, off night schedules, take it from me, the stream scheme master. That should be like your seventh tiebreaker when like deciding between players like, okay, points, peripherals, deployment, ice time, yada, yada, yada. Then way far down there is what's their off night schedule looking like. If you get to the point where you're that far down and then it's like, okay, Anaheim plays 43 games on off nights. Uh, Nashville only plays 23. If it's between the guys on those two teams. Okay. But otherwise, don't worry about the freaking off night schedules when you're drafting. They all play 82 games. And then, yeah, so let's go around and um, see here. Let's go rapid fire on any other player that you just wanted to mention. Not even talk about, but just mention. I'll start it off to show you guys how it's done. Uh, there's only one player that I like that we didn't, that I had on my list that we didn't talk about. That's Matt Barzell. He's not necessarily in a contract year, but he's in a RFA year. So kind of good enough. Plus his Instagram's looking really great. He's going super late in drafts, um, trots left, all good stuff trending for Barzell. Grab him late. Uh, some players that I didn't like uh, that we didn't talk about. I don't like Lucas Raymond. I think he's going to be the odd man out on the Detroit power play and he could have a sophomore slump. Plus he didn't post a training video this year. He did last year, bad signs. Uh, Sorokin, I think people are forgetting about Varlamov is still there and he's, they're still paying Varlamov a decent chunk. I don't, I don't think he's going to get the volume that people are necessarily expecting him to kind of like step up. I mean, he might step in performance. I don't necessarily see a step up in the number of games he's starting. And then lastly, uh, Couturier, he's kind of like the late pick, uh, sleeper kind of uh, du jour, but I don't like anyone on Philly. I think he can be a dumpster. Um, and I think as Ben and short shifts mentioned in, on their show that uh, he could end up being like second line center, not even on their top line. So who knows? So, all right, Mason rapid fire. Anyone else you just wanted to mention real quick there? Well, Dave, you didn't let me chime in on, on Zegris <laughs> first. So I've got to speak to that. I mean, this guy's vibes are off the charts. He's got sunset picks. He's got <laughs> fishing picks. And he's got the cover of the NHL 23 X Factor edition. Um, yeah, like I said, vibes are off the charts. You're wearing a Ducks hat right now, just slandering uh, one of their, probably their best player. And um, actually, if you look at ADP for some <laughs> actual content here, um, his variant uh is extremely high like there's nobody above him with a higher variance in terms of their minimum pick and their latest pick in draft um he's going as early as 53 which i completely agree would be uh, too high for him but he's going as late as 116 um so i've taken him in in a few mocks in like the eighth round and i'm very happy to get him there um, I think he's got a solid floor. He's like locked in his ice time and uh, everything, but he also has some good upside if he can um, gel with some more of the Ducks up and coming stars. So I'd be happy to take him there as long as, you know, if that variant swings your way in the draft, um, I think you should take him. But yeah, don't be one of the people taking him at 50 when you don't need to. Um, okay. Just wanted to say that about Segrist. Uh, he's got the vibes. He's got the variants. Uh, I'm going to draft him. Um, but for my honorable mention, 
Uh, I will throw out there Cole Caulfield. I know he's been talked about a little bit as, you know, one of these sleeper guys in the mid rounds that could um, be some great value. I think he's going pretty much where he should be in the ninth round, but I'd be really happy to get him in the ninth round because um, I think he, yeah, has, has a lot of upside for, for goal scoring. And um, I'm just hoping that the Marty San Louis effect carries on into this year. All right. There was a lot of names that were thrown out there. Uh, I don't know that I need to really touch on too many of them. I think uh, a lot's been said. I like Zegras. Yeah. I'm not sure where I think he's being drafted somewhat appropriately for me, but uh, that's just kind of where I'm placing him. Um, the one guy that I kind of, I just want to mention more so than anything, because I'm kind of loving to see it a bit, uh, but I've looked at a bunch of different models and thrown in like couple scoring and Jack Hughes is ranking much lower than what I would rank him as. And I like to see that the patrons are on board with me and they're ranking him uh, higher than a lot of the other models, because I do think Jack Hughes is, uh, we've already start, started to see him trend upwards, and I think he's going to just continue to have better and better seasons each year. So he's a guy I'm pretty excited to watch. Uh, not saying that he's being drafted too high or too low by the patrons right now. Just just a guy that I wanted to mention that I'm liking. Um, but one guy that I do um, like where he's being drafted as well that I would you know be happy to get there is uh, Jacob Verana. Um, I think, you know, with last year being a little bit weird one for him, I just think that he's got a little bit more to prove. Uh, he's being drafted very late right now in the mock drafts at like 178 or something like that. And I would be very happy to get him there. Uh, I think he has potential. I don't know where he's going to, you know, end up in this lineup. I think probably second line, maybe he gets on top power play, maybe not. It'll really depend on how he plays. Um, but I would be very happy to get him at 178 or even more recently, he's been drafted at like 182. So uh, that's just kind of one of those last few guys that I was uh, excited to see pretty late going pretty late in the drafts that I think has a little bit more upside than where he's going. Right on, right on. All right. So let's go through, let's just each uh, recap our whole entire list here. I'll start off, show you guys how it's done. The guys that I love, where they're being drafted this year are oh captain my captain Sidney crosby the best hockey player in the world brent burns don't believe mason's hype he's going to be good this year and or gooder than where he's being drafted uh rope hints uh don't believe the center slander he's going to be worth every penny where he's getting drafted this year uh Gorgias Georgiev, I think he's going to take command of the net in Colorado eventually and have huge value there in the 10th round. And I uh, also like throughout Matt's Barzell, I think he's going to rebound late in those. You can probably get him like 12th, 13th round, somewhere around there. Uh, let's hear your recap, Mason. My three players I'm loving this year are Miro Haskinen, Thatcher Demko, and Moritz Sider. And uh, the three players I'm fading at this ADP are uh, Quinn Hughes, Jonathan Huberto, and Elias Lindholm, and Patrick Kane. Um, my honorable mentions for uh, players I'm loving are Cole Caulfield, and uh, another guy I'm fading is Blake Wheeler. And for my uh, loving their ADP guys, kind of starting near the top of the draft, I'm loving where Eichel's going. Uh, if he falls to me there, I'm pretty happy. For a guy kind of more mid-draft, uh, Dobson, 
Uh, he's going much later than where I think I would be taking him. And for my later in the draft kind of uh, undervalued pick would be uh, Boone Jenner, who I think will get that top line, top power play and where he's being drafted. I'd just be very happy to get. And then my, uh, my hate, the ADP, the overvalued players, again, for someone earlier in the draft, I'm looking at Matthew Kachuk going a little bit earlier than what I would be considering taking him. Um, next up, I've got Kadri. Again, he just had a you know career year last year, and I just don't see it being repeated and dropping back down to reality. And my last one, Tage Thompson, another guy who I do like, but he's just going a little bit earlier than I'm willing to take. I haven't seen enough from him to trust that he's there uh, constantly, especially with his uh, you know expected goals above um, being so high last year. And I think I think I forgot to mention the players that I do not like this year. JT Miller had a baby, gonna regress. The Brinkett had a baby. You don't know what the lines are gonna be. Uh, Latang, he signed that contract. I'm not feeling good about it. Plus, last year he posted the training videos. This year he didn't. Also mentioned Zegris. He's going a little bit too high in the ADP. Sorry. Also mentioned I don't like Raymond Sorokin. I also don't like Couturier. And then we didn't even mention him. I don't like Yossi either. He's too high. All those guys. So, uh, all right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't just pop in here, <laughs> throwing in high, and then just try to shut up. I'll have you know, I took Yossi in the last mock at 10th overall, and I am definitely high still on Yossi. Uh, that's probably higher than what I would actually take him at, to be perfectly honest. Mason and I chat about this, but I can't let you just throw in a, <laughs> I'm too high on Yossi without getting a rebuttal. The guy's that stud. <laughs> Thought I could just slip it in there. All right, uh, Mason, you got anything to plug? You don't got a Twitter, Twitterless. I don't got a plug, but I've just got some advice for the drafters out there starting on Monday. Um, keep getting those final mocks in. Post those mock videos to your Instagram to intimidate the competition. And uh, yeah, just remember, if you're always ready, you don't have to get ready. That, they're going to write that on your tombstone. <laughs> Says it so much, I'll say. All right, PJ, uh, anything to plug Twitter and anything? Uh, not too much to plug. Uh, PJ underscore Richards on Twitter. Usually just doing Oilers takes more than anything. Um, but uh, just want to more so give uh, one last shout out, which I'm sure you were going to. But shout out to Kevin for putting together all these mock drafts and putting together this document. The res resource is amazing. It's super awesome. Patrons are super lucky to uh, be able to get on board on this and get ready for their drafts. And it's made it really fun and has definitely brought me back from my kind of summer vacation from fantasy if you call it that you know making little trades here and there to actually just being like super invested and ready to go again over this last month and i'm feeling a lot more confident going into my drafts so thanks again and thanks to anyone else who's kind of helped along with that and you know obviously brian and elon for always getting this whole community together and getting the talented minds of fantasy hockey oh yeah can't can't emphasize that enough listen i am not a smart man admittedly but doing these mock drafts i've been doing them since like july paying attention to the the patron rankings everything like that it gets you sharp and i'm definitely like 20 times smarter than i'd be without this uh plethora of resources and knowledge and just everything so yeah thank you kevin thanks the whole team shams elon ben lewis the whole kit and caboodle but yeah you can find us at nhl stream scheme on twitter and just remember what the legendary Moose Vasco always says, the future belongs to those 
got the wind and their strength. See ya.